Hello and welcome to You Life Abroad. This week I'm joined by my co-hosts Brianna, Nathan and Alexa. We also want to give a warm welcome to our guest co-hosts, the crickets in the ceiling, for the continuous input for our episode. In this week's episode, we delve into Ukraine's space history and its ambitions in the field of space exploration. We also explore the new streaming platform, Takflix, which aims to deliver Ukrainian language cinema to your living room. This and more on Zakrodonyi Ukrainsi, the podcast for all things Ukrainian. Takflix is the first Ukrainian web platform which allows people to watch Ukrainian films online legally. It was created by Nadia Parfan, a Ukrainian film director whose first feature film, Heart Singers, is actually available on the platform. Her film was released in cinemas last year and did well at all of its screenings, but when a lot of people who weren't able to see it in cinemas started asking her where to watch it online, she realized that there was no place for them to watch it and so she created Takflix. Now for those who don't know the language, Tuck in Ukrainian means yes. So essentially the name means or the platform means yes to Ukrainian cinematography, which experienced a revival after the Maidan revolution in 2014. The platform is funded by the Ukrainian State Film Agency, a government body that provides the Ukrainian film industry with state support, including the production, promotion, distribution and circulation of Ukrainian and European films in Ukraine and all around the world. So you're saying the government supports like Tuckflix financially as well? Yes. Wow. Hmm, that's pretty cool. I think it's a good initiative because it promotes the Ukrainian film industry because you have America funding its own film industry. You have India filming their um, funding their own. So I don't see why Ukraine shouldn't be able to fund their own industry. And it also allows uh, Ukrainian directors, especially those creative ones to be able to create their own films and express their own feelings or ideas or emotions into their own films. And it, it kind of gives a sense of, uh, a more Ukrainian identity because now we're pushing away from the whole Russian films, Russian TV shows. And so I think it gives us a way to combat another sphere of influence that they have over us. Really. Well, yeah. And like before 2013, Ukrainian cinema was, you know, on its last legs in some ways because the government wasn't funding anything and Ukraine's media landscape was just flooded with Russian content. Yeah. Cause no one ever bothered to translate into Ukrainian. It was always like two months after you'd get a Ukrainian version of that film or TV show. It first come in Russian. It's almost like Ukrainian was the second language and they're like, okay, now I've got to translate it for other languages, even though it's being released like in Ukraine. Yeah. In our previous interviews, we've uh, we've actually interviewed a couple Ukrainian uh, Australian film directors. and Yeah, the interviews highlight like the importance of Ukrainian cinema and why people should support it. So... Even though they work in the diaspora and, you know, are born outside of Ukraine, both of them have, you know, come and created Ukrainian like language content or have like promoted Ukrainian language content abroad, which I think is quite important. We should celebrate anyone that, you know, promotes Ukraine outside of its borders. Yeah. Um, so, when looking at the actual content on Tuckflix, is it... Like, is there anything good on there, Alexa? Um, well, as we were scrolling through it um, just before the episode, I saw that it has the movie Cherkasse, which I have been quite eager to watch. 
and um, haven't haven't found a way to see it yet. So Cherkasse is the story of the last Ukrainian naval boat in Crimea and how they held out um, until um, they were the only ones left. And it's quite a like powerful story. So I'm quite eager to watch that. You guys see anything on there you want to watch? Um, I didn't see anything really. I only just kind of got into um, like Yuki focused films. I know you've been telling me for ages to watch um mr jones which i did like two weeks ago so i thought that was like a good start for me and then i'm gonna check out some other ones but um yeah i thought i know i'm late to the party but um well what's good about tuck flicks is that um it caters for people who can't speak ukrainian because it has english subtitles for most of the movies so i think that's quite cool and most of the movies are available in like across the globe so there it doesn't have like the thing like that netflix has currently where some content is geo-locked mm-hmm. okay side note <laughs> the one thing i like hated about mr jones on netflix was that if you the subtitle option was like either on or off so like if i wanted to watch the movie and i wanted to like have subtitles for like the yuki and the russian parts I had to have subtitles on for even the English parts. <laughs> and so, I was like, oh, I don't want oh, that. Oh, did it not subtitle the Ukrainian? No, not on Netflix. So, I had to like, in the, like, I thought at one point, like, I could watch the Yuki parts and then it was like too hard. So, then I turn it on and then I start talking in English and I'm like, oh, this is really annoying with the English stuff. So, I was constantly <laughs> turning it on and off, on and off, on and off. Um, yeah, but when I was looking into how Tuckflix works, I was kind of comparing it to... Um, like these other streaming platforms that are out there like Netflix and Disney Plus and it does have a different model so unlike the other ones which have like that monthly um, subscription uh, so that that subscription that you pay monthly for Tuckflix works kind of like its own like movie theater so people wanting to watch films they purchase an online ticket for about 60 hryvnia or roughly $2 um, and so from there you get your online ticket and you can watch the film for seven days, which is how long it lasts. And then after that, you'll need to repurchase the um, the film. So, you're only paying for the content that you actually want, but you do have to continually keep paying, you know, two bucks, you know, for whichever ones you want to But if you watch. think about it, um, like if you have Netflix, you have all these options and uh, sometimes you just don't get through it or like you even spend like two weeks, three weeks not going on because you're studying for exams or you've just got a lot of work on. So, it it kind of, it's kind of like you're wasting money on it. But with this, you can just watch the one movie for just that one price and you don't have to worry about wasting money on it. Yeah, and I was going to say two bucks for a movie is pretty good. And, you know, it's even better that it's going towards like a Ukrainian movie and supporting Ukrainian cinema. True. To me, it kind of felt like Uber. Like, you know, Uber, you pay for, like, uh, one meal and then it shows up. And then the next time you pay for another meal, you're not paying for, like, a monthly subscription to Uber. Yeah. It kind of felt more like that than a subscription thing. But, yeah, I agree with your point, Alexa, that it's good that it's actually going towards supporting Ukrainian film. Um, and now there's a platform for people to watch that. Yeah, so hopefully Tuckflix continues to grow and, you know, one day, like, you'll have, like, a complete library of every Ukrainian movie made. As some of you may have seen on our social media accounts, uh, Ukraine has joined the Artemis Accord, a US-led project that aims to further space exploration. 
So the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine released a statement and they said, Via the Artemis program, NASA will land the first woman and the next man on the moon by 2024, heralding in a new era for space exploration and utilization. While NASA is leading the Artemis program, the international partnerships will play a key role in achieving a sustainable and robust presence on the moon while preparing to conduct a historic human mission to Mars. So this all kind of ties into that... um long-awaited return back to the moon yeah that and as well as the first um humans actually you know land on mars as well which i'm sure people have been waiting for uh for a long time so ukraine is the ninth country to join this accord and they've joined along with australia canada italy japan luxembourg united arab emirates the uk and obviously the us who's the main um driver of this i love luxembourg being part of this well i was saying to andre before i think luxembourg might be there kind of for financial I'm pretty sure I have a feeling it's to do with where the European Space Agency is based. It might be Luxembourg. Oh, okay. Maybe. Oh, different but theories. anyway. But Lu- wouldn't you think it'd be like the EU instead of Luxembourg? Yeah, but where's the EU? Anyway, homework yeah. for everyone. Find <laughs> out why Luxembourg has a space program. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was um, pretty interesting as well. So, there, um, there has been a little bit of um, pushback on this, obviously, and it's from Russia. So... Uh, Russia believes that this project is a little too American-focused, and they stated that it is a blatant attempt to create international interpretation in favor of the U.S. So, part of the reason behind this is that because um, private companies that wish to operate in space in the future would have to go through the U.S. in order to get that approval and um, get licenses. So, that essentially puts the U.S. in charge of um commercial operations in space. Uh, Russia said that the US should go through the UN treaty uh, process uh, instead of actually trying to get countries to sign on to their accord. Uh, So that's a little bit of the pushback that has happened. But in In a sense, it kind of like makes sense. Like you don't want one country to be controlling outer space and preventing others from going into outer space. Because the whole point of the treaty was to prevent like nations from colonizing uh, outer space really yeah and um you know anytime russia does something to try and circumvent the un all countries in the west mostly will stand up um against them but in this case it's kind of it's like it's done a 180 and it's like the us is trying to do something on their own um so i thought that was interesting but um all up i thought that it's uh, actually a pretty good uh, program but alexa why has why do you think Ukraina has joined in? So, yeah, like, um, when you think of Ukraine, not, uh, you don't really think of it as being, like, a spacefaring nation, considering all the other problems that Ukraine has had to deal with in its uh, period, in its independ- during its independence. But um, Ukraine's uh, state's space agency was first formed in 1992 from the remnants of the Soviet space program that was left in Ukraine. Since then... Um, Ukraine Space Agency has launched various satellites into space and partnered with other national space agencies, particularly the European Space Agency. Um, And for example, in 2006, Ukraine accounted for more than 12% of all launches into space for that year, which I think is pretty crazy. For like such a small uh, country, doing more than 10% is quite surprising. And considering how like, how 
uh, not how like powerful we are, but like compared to like other economies, like the fact that we're managing to sort of keep up in a sense. Yeah, but even before uh, Ukraine's independence in 1991, Ukraine already had a long history with uh, with space. So, for example, in 1937, the first rocket was launched in Ukraine near Kharkiv. And even before then, Ukrainian scientists were theorizing how to get to the moon and all the translunar orbits and all that stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, and then... Another fun fact about Ukraine's relationship with space is Pavlo Popovich was the first Ukrainian to fly into space, and he was the fourth Soviet cosmonaut and eighth person in general to enter orbit around the Earth, which I think is pretty cool. And then um, Leonid Kadenyuk was the first Ukrainian to fly under the Ukrainian flag into space. And there's a few cool photos from the... um, Because he flew with the... Not the Columbia. Uh, oh, he flew with the space shuttle program. And there's cool photos of him with like a Trezorb and the Ukrainian flag like floating around him in space. Good quality photos. I feel like that's an important one because prior to that, everything was kind of uh, Soviet-led. Like all the research and everything and, and in the space race and all of that. But um, in this case, it was, you know, Ukrainian-led and he's doing it on behalf of Ukraina. So, yeah, I think that's a big, a big one. Um, the most famous Ukrainian rocket company is Pivdain Marsh, which also goes by its Russian name, Yuzhmash, and it builds um, most of Ukraine's rockets and also like exports rocket parts to other countries, like including companies in America. Um, and also, they are famous for building trolley buses and tractors. <laughs> so, I think that's a little hangover from the Soviet Union when they would try to disguise... Um, uh, like defense industries as like civilian so like the Kharkiv tractor um, tractor factory is what makes tanks and I'm pretty sure it still has that name now in independent Ukraine what a great like company's like slogan you can do like your whole pitch is like we make buses we make trolleys we make rocket engines for you we make bikes (laughs) forget about it we make anything for you um so, yeah, so as you can see, like, Ukraine has had quite an illustrious history of space. However, since Russia's invasion of Crimea and Donbass, um, Ukraine's space agency has suffered a bit of a blow because before that, a lot of their contracts were with Russia and they've had to reorientate themselves. And I think this is a big step of them reorientating towards the West. Um, so, I actually have a quote here. This is from uh, the Ukrainian, the space, the state space agency of Ukraine. And it was, uh, they were talking about why they felt that this was so important. And the, the release says that this is important for Ukraine because we will be able to implement our own projects in partnership with the world's leading space agencies. This is a logical step in continuing the fact that we have joined the Moon Village Association. Ukraine projects... Ukrainian projects have for the first time become part of the global scenario of the moon's exploration. So, I like that. I like that Ukraine's trying to get in on this, um, not just exploration of the room, exploration of the moon, but um, uh, also the, uh, the, the use of the moon, not just for, you know, research, but also um, utilization. I know they're looking for at commercial purposes and all these other things in the future. Um I just think the whole thing with the space resource resources, because they mentioned here the extraction and the use of space resources is a key factor in safe and sustainable research. Um, yeah, I just don't know how how far this whole accord is going to go in terms of extraction of space resources. 
I mean, the main thing is, though, is that Ukraine, you know, partners with, like, the program and uh, participates in any way it can help, like, you know, for the greater good of humanity, if, like, we can go back to the moon and, you know, further, like, exploration, explore the space. Because last time when the space race happened during the Cold War, there were a lot of technological advances. And so this will be another opportunity for new technologies to be developed. Looking from a diaspora perspective, it's really interesting. Um, a, f- a couple of years ago, back in 2018, Ukraine was looking to diversify its space capabilities by proposing to work with Australia and build a spaceport in Western Australia in the Kimberleys. Um, now, nothing's happened since then. Like We haven't really heard much since the proposal, but uh, if it does come to fruition, that would be really cool. I think it'd make Australia join that whole... Uh minority club of being like one of the countries to be able to go to space on their own but in saying that australia has only just created its own space agency so yes it's quite but um i think when they launched it they were like we have all this like great technology we're not making it uh from scratch really so i think it their, their whole like plan was that it was like a booster to creating it like yeah, for both countries, because then Australia would benefit by having the infrastructure and Ukraine would have somewhere where they could, you know, launch into space without having Russia interfere. True. But that being said, Australia has actually, like, assisted in space operations before. Before, So, like, Avalon Airport, which is, like, outside of Melbourne, even though it's, I don't know, has anyone flown into Avalon before? Yeah. So, have you ever noticed how massive the runway is for such a small airport? And that's because on in the southern hemisphere, Avalon Airport used to be the um, like the emergency landing spot for space shuttles in the southern hemisphere. So that's why the runway was so massive. Um, on top of that, I know there is like Woomera rocket range, so we have done work with rockets before. So it's like it's small stuff, but I think that that would be a good one if Ukraine had, or if this thing does come to fruition, because then you'd have we'd have a partnership with another country and we'd be able to do a lot more. I think Australia's, like, greatest claim to fame when it comes to space is the broadcast of the moon landing. (laughs) So, it'll be good. So, if we look over the entire um, Artemis project and the main goals that they have, there's a number of uh, specific goals that they have in mind. And these are peaceful research, transparency, compatibility between nations, emergency assistance, uh, registration of space objects, which I think is uh, a very interesting one, uh, dissemination of scientific data, preservation of heritage. So, that's specifically talking about the heritage of space, uh, which is quite interesting because that heritage outside of Earth has largely remained undisturbed. So, this is going to be a new... Um, yeah, and since things are coming and going like in our nearby neighborhood of space, um, you can learn like actually a lot and how other parts of the universe have formed, which is quite interesting to like, imagine like in the future. It's like, oh, kids, like road trip to the Apollo 11 landing site. <laughs> yeah, it'd be it's great. Like yeah, it's like a Futurama. Yeah, I was going to say Futurama. <laughs> um, they also talk about uh, space resources and the use and extraction, deconfliction of activities, which I think is very important because they're trying to keep that in line with the 1967 Outer Space Treaty, as well as the use uh, as the safe disposal of orbital de- debris, which or space junk, uh, which. You know, as we can assume, is going to massively increase. Well, it's already a big problem, well, isn't considering it? Considering that, like, um, that any spaceship trying to leave Earth's orbit has to pass through the whole debris 
field mm. and it's just full of um all this like junk junk really like old spacecraft parts satellites that aren't used anymore they're all flying around and considering like if they hit each other just m- even more objects get left behind in there and so it creates more of a harder it is makes it more difficult yeah it makes this more difficult yeah i remember a documentary once where there was like a blot of paint like cracked through a space shuttle window um and the space shuttle window was thick and went like halfway through yeah considering that these things are going at like thousands of kilometers per like second yeah um but hopefully uh all of these um these goals uh plan uh, play out well and uh maybe one day we'll see a yuki flag on the moon or on mars oh we're on mars This week in the news. From the 5th of November to the 29th of November, Ukrainian-Canadian artist Taras, also known as the Ukrainian Pagan, will be exhibiting his own Vitenunkul artworks at 10 Garden Gallery in Guelph, Ontario. Vitenunkul is a traditional form of Ukrainian art which involves paper cutting. The style focuses heavily on traditional patterns, plants, animals and people, along with the use of bright colours. To our audience in Canada who wish to arrange a visit, you can do so by contacting the Guelph Arts Council on 519-836-3280. Additionally, you can contact Taras directly via Instagram at the Ukrainian Pagan. His works range from prints for $50 Canadian to ready-to-hang pieces for $100 Canadian. Ukraine is working to amend its constitution in order to incorporate recent decentralization reforms. The changes aim to transfer power from Kyiv to the local government, allowing them to be more responsive to their constituents. Ukraine has been drawn into Group C of the Euro 2020 Championships. Ukraine's group also contains the Netherlands, Austria and North Macedonia. International medical students are striking in Ukraine in protest against the CROC exam, which all undergraduates have to pass in order to study medicine in Ukraine. They demand that the pass mark be lowered by 10%, complaining that the test is unfair and they shouldn't have to sit the exam, especially since it is not recognised internationally. With over 80,000 foreign students from 158 countries currently studying in Ukrainian universities, they have become an important source of revenue for these institutions. Ukraine's government has announced it will introduce 5G into the mobile market. They aim to have the technology available to the public by December 2021. Let us know which stories you'd like to hear by reaching out to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week for more Yuki Life Report content.